If you don't already know who Brian Bogert is, you're about to find out. Now, I am excited to have Brian on the show today because, well, he is on a mission. Now, his story goes back to a, a tragic, life-changing accident as, as a child, and then the, the evolution from that to a very, very successful entrepreneur, and the evolution from that, the reinvention from that to really being on a mission to impact 1 billion people in the next 25 years. And it, the, the core of his philosophy is really around embracing pain to avoid suffering. And that is so much different than how we normally think about it. And so this conversation goes much, much deeper than simply pain and suffering. We really get into radical authenticity, building awareness, even through the types of questions you need to be asking yourself in order to bring out your best self, in order to get unstuck, in order to get out of your own way, and to really increase your performance and your satisfaction and your fulfillment in all areas of life. So let's get started. Welcome to Imperfect Action. This, of course, is Brock Edwards, and this is the show where we're looking for ideas, information, inspiration to get out of our own way, to get unstuck and move forward. And, you know, as the name of the podcast is Imperfect Action, we're recognizing that, you know, life isn't perfect. We, we, we got to move forward regardless. And really excited for today's guest, Brian Bogert. Brian, one of the things I, I'm good at asking questions, terrible at introduction. So I'm going to ask you just to give a quick introduction, quick rundown of who you are and what you're about. Yeah. So uh, if you'll bear with me, I'm going to, it'll be quick, but it's going to be probably longer than you're going to expect. So, so hang with me for one second. I want everybody who's listening right now to just close your eyes for one second, unless you're driving, uh, that's important, but close your eyes for one second. And I want you to imagine walking out of a store after a successful shopping trip, walking to your car, turning your head and seeing a truck barreling 40 miles an hour right at you with no time to react. You can open your eyes now. That's where this portion of my story begins. My mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush. As we were headed back to the car, what you'll probably realize about me by the end of this, of this interview is I've always had an excitement and energy for life. And so I was, of course, the first one to the car because I wanted to get home to put that one-inch paintbrush to use. But this was back in the days before we had key fobs, and my mom had to catch up to the car and literally put the key in the door to unlock it. So I stood there waiting. And while I was, there was a truck that pulls up in front of the Walmart. Driver and middle passenger get out, and the passenger all the way to the right feels the truck moving backwards. So he did what any one of us would do, Brock, and he moved over to his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up onto the steering wheel, up onto the dashboard, and before you know it, he was catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us with no time to react. Now, we were parked in an end spot. He went up and over the median, went up over the tree in the median, hit our car, knocked me over, ran over me diagonally, tore my spleen, left a tire track scar on my stomach, and continued on to completely sever my left arm from my body. So there I am laying on the parking lot on a 115 degree day in, in Phoenix, Arizona. My mom and brother just watched this whole thing happen, but so did my guardian angel. There was a nurse that walked out of the store right when this happened and she saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her and she rushed immediately into action, imperfect action. <laughs> she saw what needed to take place and she stopped the bleeding at the main wound and she instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, fill it with ice to get my detached limb on ice within minutes. Had she not done one or both of those things, Brock, I either wouldn't be here with you today or I'd be here with you with a cleaned up arm. And so the reality of it is I'm sure that a lot of people weren't expecting it to go there today. 
And what I've realized in all my time of doing this is that, yes, I have a very unique story, but we all have unique stories. What's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from those stories and then become intentional with how we apply them in our lives. And we can all do that and tap into the collective wisdom to shorten our own curve to learning. So I'll share with you two primary lessons, which will give you a good feel for who I am. The first is I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but instead get moved by what I could do with it. And the second, I didn't realize until far later. You see, at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, although I knew what was happening to me and what I was experiencing, I was also being guided through the process. So I was in a fog, but my parents were not. The years of unceasing medical treatments, surgeries, physical therapy, they were very aware of. And the idea of seeing their son grow up without the use of his left arm was a source of great suffering for them. So they literally willed themselves day in and day out to do what was necessary, what was tough to ultimately heal and strengthen me. And so although I didn't realize it until far later, and I'm not sure whether it was intentional or not, but they ingrained in me a philosophy and a way of living, which was to embrace pain, to avoid suffering. They embraced the pains on a daily basis to avoid the suffering of seeing me grow up with the use of my arm. And so it was this philosophy that I've used to not only overcome this unique injury, but how my business partners and I built our last business and risk management and employee benefits consulting from nothing to over 15 million in revenue within the span of a decade. And how now I flipped that on its head as a human behavior and performance coach and have helped hundreds of individuals and organizations just like you, just like the people listening, become more aware, more intentional and more of who they already are, their most authentic selves. You see, I believe this is when the door starts to correct to or crack to perspective, motivation and direction. And when we can bring joy, freedom and fulfillment back into our world. So that's a little feel for who I am, brother. Nice. Love it. Well, I actually want to ask you about, about your arm, but I want to ask you about your other arm, Brian. Yeah. Um, your right arm, you have a tattoo on, on your bicep, and Ooh. I just got this from the photo on your website, and it, all I can see is part of a face of a clock, and I'm really curious about it. So what's fascinating about you asking that question is you're the second person to ask me that today. And wow. I've, never, I've never had anybody ask me that specific question and it's happened twice today. So I just had to pause there. There was somebody who saw me on a live show earlier who picked up on it in, on the live show and, and sent me a note. Um, it's very intentional, as I'm sure you would assume. Um, so it's actually a pocket watch and it's set to the date and time of my accident. So it was August 10th at 6.10 p.m. And what's fascinating about this is the, the clock was a late addition to the tattoo. Um, I, I wanted to fill something on the underside of the arm. It wasn't the primary focus I was trying to do. This is a Phoenix bird on this side um, that, that has a whole lot of meaning. And I, I found the right artist and, and he did a great job. But as I was doing it, I, I, I called my mom and I asked her what time the accident happened because I actually didn't know. I, I knew it was in the evening. I didn't know the exact time, but I knew she'd remember exactly. And then I told her what I was thinking and why I was doing it. And this just goes to show the power of perspective. Because she answered the question definitively. It was at 6.10 p.m. Uh, and, and she said, are you going to do the tattoo with a cracked lens? And I said, why would I do it with a cracked lens? And she said, because that's the moment that the world as I knew it stopped. Hmm. That's the moment that the world froze. And what's crazy, again, to the power of perspective, the reason I did this tattoo and why I did it the way I did it without a cracked lens is because that was the moment my life began as I knew it. And so you might see behind me, I've got a clock right there too. It's a pocket watch. It's also set to the same time. So time and, and clocks and things have always been something that, that has a, a visual appeal for me, but this particular one has a whole lot of meaning behind it as well. So thank you for asking the question. I, I just, I thought it was so funny that you're the second person probably ever, but in the same day who asked me that. So 
Gotta love those coincidences. But that is such a great connection that, you know, that moment connected with the Phoenix, um, you know, rising from the ashes. At least that's where I go with, with the, the that, That's exactly the meaning behind it. And then you constantly reinvent yourself. I'm on probably version 82 of who I am, right? So I constantly burn back down to the ashes and rise a greater version of myself. I try to do that every day. All right. So, so that's awesome. I'm really glad I asked. Um, well, tell me a little bit about this idea. Well, actually, before I get to the idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering, uh, which is such an interesting approach and the exact opposite of the way I think most people approach things intentionally or not. You know, you mentioned authenticity and on your website, it mentions actually radical authenticity. And for you, I mean, I have in my mind what authenticity looks like, but for you, what does radical authenticity mean? Yeah. So, you know, authenticity is a buzzword and I, I hesitate even using it on my website or in most days because I think everybody has their own definition of it. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to further describe this. I actually wrote a full article that got published in Forbes that was on this exact topic. So I'm happy to share that with you and include it in the show notes because it'll expand on my answer. Um, radical authenticity is not an unfiltered, raw version of who you are, right? It doesn't, being radically authentic doesn't mean you have permission to say or do anything that you desire at your core. And I think that some people hear that and that's where they go. It's like, hey, okay, that's just, it's, it's those people that are just so raw all the time. Like what you see is what you get. That's not what I mean by radical authenticity. There's some elements of that over time, but radical authenticity to me is really taking toll and getting clarity on who you are as a person at the core and understanding very clearly the things that you do in your day-to-day life that give you energy, that give you freedom, that give you happiness, that give you joy, that give you fulfillment, And also getting really clear on those things that we do in our lives that take away from all that, that drain our energy, that drain who we are, that make us feel depleted or defeated at the end of the day. And we all know what those things look and feel like, right? Like you could go to a networking event, which I don't do because that's not where I align in my most authentic space. Because what happens there is all you do is talk about what people do and it's people trying to pitch and get things positioned differently versus focusing on who they are. Right. And so for me, that's extremely draining. I'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm someone who shows up. I, I can give lots of energy. I feed off the energy of other people, but that's an environment that is not authentic to me. It is forced. It is fabricated and it doesn't fill me. Right. And so what I try to do is to help people get clarity on both sides of that spectrum and then move as many things as possible into the categories that make you feel like you make your heart happy, give you joy, freedom, and fulfillment and energy and eliminate as many of those things that are in this other side. Because when we live in this side, which is radical authenticity, really aligned with who we are, life happens easier for us. We we can move through things faster with less effort. And when we do it in alignment, it also becomes self-regulating. So radical authenticity to me is really getting back to the core. And oh, by the way, that doesn't mean reinventing who you are. When I made that joke about my Phoenix bird, it's a joke. It's somewhat true. I constantly reinvent to become a better version of myself, but it's not ignoring who I am at the core. It's building upon it. What many people do, right? We, we, we are born as the most, most authentic, bright burning light that will ever be in our lives. And then the world screws us up, right? As parents, teachers, coaches, employers, we start layering all these things on top of people on who they should be, the things they should do, the things they shouldn't do. 
And what that does is it puts this crusty exterior on that uh, prevents people from being who they are and being radically authentic. And so what I often do for people is we start shedding layers. It's not about inventing a new person. When you shed the layers and get back to the core, then you can build from there. And so that's what radical authenticity is to me. I think as adults, we very rarely step back and think about who we want to be. Like, you know, as you're describing, you know, we life kind of glommed a little bit of this on a little bit of that on. We get this input from this source and that input from that source. And I, I think we, we miss that we, we get to choose. Like if that's right. where we want to be, awesome. Um, but since we just kind of happen that way, there's probably things to that there are better choices for us. And, and so I want to ask, you know, when, when you're doing this, because you mentioned both going towards um, that authentic self and, and also stepping away from those things that get in our way. And, and maybe this is a chicken or egg kind of question, but where's it better to start? Like if someone's trying to get this sorted out, is it best to strip away the things that are getting in the way or just move toward the things that feel more authentic or both? Uh. Yeah, so it, it is a little of a chicken and the egg question. What's interesting is I'm probably going to answer without giving an answer to either, because until you have a high level of awareness on the things that fit in both buckets, you can't take action on either. And so the reason I talk about awareness first in almost every category is we have to start from a place of awareness so that we can be intentional. And I think that sometimes those can be in a tangential path, but it also is contextually dependent upon what are those things in those buckets and how damaging are they for the person versus how fulfilling are they for the person? If, if you're surrounded by nothing but a negative environment, lots of people bringing you down, like you can't escape it. You're, you probably need to remove that for any chance to have the positive side. On the, on the contrary, if it's just a couple of behaviors or meetings here and there, or this individual person that you might see once a month and it's not really overly damaging to your life, then you might start by adding even more into the fulfillment bucket, right? So I, I, it's not an easy answer with the exception that we have to start with awareness. And I think what you just said before as well is it is a choice in the way that we choose to live and navigate through life. You know, the thing is our minds process 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So what that says is that we're largely led by the unconscious, Right. And so until we go through some sort of a systematic approach to move the unconscious to the conscious, the unaware to the aware, it's going to feel like life is happening to us, like it's fate, like we have no influence or control over our path. And so it always starts with awareness because that's where we can be intentional. So how do we build that awareness? And I realize this could be a, a long, lengthy process um, or, or maybe not. Um, I, I may be putting some assumptions in there, but like, yeah. where do you get started on that? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of um, an intrinsic journey and getting external feedback, right? There is absolutely internal and external self-awareness. Both are equally important. There's only one that we can completely control, though, and that's the internal side. Um, you know, I'm going to reference a, 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 a doctor, Dr. Tasha Yurik, who's one of the world-renowned researchers on self-awareness. And what's interesting is, is I've done this for a long time in my life, but the reason I reference it is because she actually proved it through some study. The issue with increasing self-awareness for many people is that they often pair a heightened degree of self-awareness with a heightened degree of self-judgment. So they just become more aware of all the ways they should be judging themselves. Part of that, though, is in the questions that they ask. And so when you ask, where do we start? It starts with the right questions. Most people start with awareness through the lens of why. Why am I this way? 
Why did my dad treat me this way? Why did I get passed up for the promotion? Why do my coworkers hate me? Why do my friends always go without, go out without me? Why can't I seem to lose weight or stay disciplined on a path? Like literally just why questions. Problem with why questions is they lead to a never ending circle of why questions. So they keep you circling the drain and keep you going further and further down without really getting clarity or an answer. So I believe she, she suggests completely getting rid of why questions. I don't 100% agree with that. I think often we do need to answer certain why questions. But the right question to ask most often is what? What about my childhood led me to the path that I'm at today? What about my relationship with my boss? Or what about my work production got me passed up for that job? And what can I do differently tomorrow to really be able to control the outcome differently in the future? What can I do to better establish relationships with my coworkers? What can I do better to find the right type of diet or exercise regimen that I'll stay disciplined to? So what keeps you future focused and objective versus why keeping you historical and in the past? Again, I think we need to understand certain why questions because they give you context to write to ask the right what questions. But in general, that's what I would do. If you see there's a gap in your life, you're stuck, you want to get unstuck, right? That's part of the theme of this whole show. It, it's, it's about asking the right questions of yourself about who you are, where do you want to go, what is the path to get there, and how do we increase our awareness along the path? Because that's the only way we'll actually be able to influence the, the, the outcome. You know, I've never heard that distinction between the the what and the why tying back to the awareness and self-judgment. And, and I really appreciate that because I've gotten caught in that trap, you know, of being very introspective <laughs> and yet just beating myself <laughs> up with that introspection um, and getting stuck versus growing from it. And, and um, you know, that, that, that's a painful place to be as you're in the middle of trying to improve yourself. That's right. Uh, so, uh, so I love that distinction and, um, you know, I'm a big fan of questions. And, and so the idea of just shifting to the, the what, um, and that, that that's pretty interesting. I, I like that. So, so let's talk a little bit about embracing the pain and pain versus suffering. So can, can you kind of define those or, or make a yeah, distinction? No, I, I think we have to define them before we can unpack the concept. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because uh, you even said it in the beginning, it's like this, this concept is so different than most people's natural state. And it's true, right? The world literally tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. And I'm just telling you that I believe the world is wrong. So let's start with the definition. Pain is defined as short-term, intermittent, and a direct cause from something, and healed once that direct cause is removed. What we tend to do as human beings is we have to always screw up original definitions by putting adjectives in front of those words. So what do we traditionally do, right? We traditionally classify pain through two categories, acute and chronic. Acute doesn't change the definition, but chronic does. Chronic pain makes us feel better than saying just pain. And it certainly makes us feel better than suffering because suffering sounds horrible, right? But the reality of it is chronic pain by definition is not pain because it's not intermittent. It's not short-term and it persists even after the direct cause is removed. So instead, I want people to stop calling it chronic pain and start calling it suffering because that's what it is. The reality of it is we don't want to admit that suffering exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. And we grow numb often to suffering because we just adapt to it as it incrementally increases in our life. So I'll unpack this concept on a few different examples so people can understand this. We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid the suffering of aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. 
We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a loved one or a spouse to avoid the suffering of loveless marriage that ultimately is going to end in divorce or the alternative being stuck in a marriage when we ultimately want or desire divorce. We can embrace the pain of the fit our kids are sure to throw and we have them put down their technological devices at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years of lost meaningful connection and conversation that we'll never get back. As business owners, we can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson to avoid the suffering of stagnant growth and losing all our other top talent because our greatest salesperson is also the biggest cancer in our culture. Right. And so when we look at this left right comparison of pain versus suffering, it really it applies to everything. And so what I believe is that we all must choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. Well, why do we let suffering choose us? I mean, like you say, it sounds horrible to say, hey, you know, I, I've been suffering for a decade and I think I'm going to keep it up. You, you know, um, but I don't think most people know they're suffering because hmm. we grow numb to it. I don't think they know they're suffering until all of a sudden it hits them in their face one day and they're like, oh, geez, I'm suffering. And it's very difficult sometimes to reverse the effects once we're already in it. Pain is something that we understand. And it's literally an evolutionary response to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. It, it protected us for decades, generations, centuries. But that's no longer what we face in the day-to-day -day world, at least in the first world right, countries that we operate in. And so that's what I'm encouraging people to do is to recognize we need to change our evolutionary response to pain and start to view it as a critical path to our success versus a hindrance in our way. Because I, I, I know one thing is sure, right? Suffering is optional, pain is not. And so to me, it's a matter of choosing the right pains. And I'm not promoting unnecessary or unrelenting amounts of pain just for the sake of pain. That's not at all what this message means. But it's about identifying the right pains along your path to success. So, so you said right pain. So what are some of the wrong pains? Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. so we, we sometimes have to understand the root of the pain. I'll, I'll use a personal example, right? So I don't have a tricep. My bicep is my gracilis from my leg. I don't have a lat on the left side of my back. To say that my body is imbalanced is an understatement. I literally have a curve in my spine. And the older I got, the more my day-to-day -day pain in my back started to develop into suffering. So in my early 20s, I, I realized that if I ate right, I stayed lean, and I kept my core strength up, that literal suffering that was debilitating in terms of back pain could be managed to just normal everyday pain that I, I could deal with, right? And, 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 and work through. So what did I do in my early 20s? I joined a gym. Went to the gym consistently for 30 days because that's what you do if you're going to be healthy, right? You join a gym, you get yourself active, you start eating right, you do the, do the right things. Went consistently for about 30 days and then I stopped going. So I could have stopped there, but I didn't because I had to ask myself the question, is it the pain of working out that I'm avoiding or is it the anxiety I get when I'm in a crowded gym? It's about identifying the pains that are hurdles on our pathway to success, but don't actually serve the greater good versus the ones that do. So sometimes it requires asking a couple of additional questions, right? So how many business owners or salespeople will go and realize they need to make calls, build new relationships, establish new relationships so they can solve solutions, right? But inevitably you see that 500 pound telephone sitting in front of you and you hesitate to pick it up. So I was having a conversation with somebody not that long ago, right? And I, I started asking the questions like, so where do you feel you are in terms of your ability to ask the good questions of business owners? Where are you about identifying and understanding problems that you can solve? Where are you about getting strategic and creative in those solutions that you then provide to them that might help grow your business? 
And there was a checkbox on all three. They were all great. But she had a hesitancy to pick up the phone. It was a 500-pound telephone. Part of that's mental. Part of that's emotional. But what we got to the root of with her is it wasn't picking up the phone and doing the actions that were necessary to drive growth in her business that she was avoiding. She was afraid of what it might look like if she was actually successful. Root of that. She'd failed in so many ways in her life. Well, what if I was actually good at this? What would that mean for the growth of my business? What would that mean? Like, and once we started to understand, it wasn't a fear of the phone that she was dealing with. It was a fear of success. All she knew was failure. She has no hesitation picking up the phone anymore because she realizes that that action, that activity is what's going to drive the success. And once she understood and reframed her belief on success, worked through the fear on the success, it no longer held her back. So instead of it being a pain in her pathway, right? The pain was actually the fear of success. We need to remove that one and start getting her to embrace the pain of picking up the phone because that's what's going to give her the pipeline necessary to grow her business. When we're talking about embracing pain, so uh, I, I've actually, throughout this whole year, I've really avoided talking much about 2020 as 2020, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, we, we talk about it enough, uh, but we're, you know, we're coming to the end of the year. We're coming to the time of year where last year, everyone was posting about how 2020 was going to be their best year ever. And they were geared up, they were ready for it. And um, those posts have changed a little as the years have gone on. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about like, rebooting. I mean, every new year is a chance for people kind of reboot where they are. They, you know, a lot of people just take stock this time of year and think through things. So, you know, whether it was a, a great year or a terrible year for many, I suspect it was both. Hopefully they had some greatness in yeah. all the terrible. Um, I, I certainly, I mean, this year brought me a chance to kind of rethink some priorities and I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, when we talk about, you know, kind of just embracing that pain, um, avoiding suffering. Like when you, when you reboot for the next year, um, yeah, I'd just love to kind of hear your perspective. Like, how are you going about thinking about this next year? Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is although I understand the reason that we plan around calendar changes, I often try to resist it. Um, again, this was another thing I actually wrote an article on, uh, which is let's throw out New Year's resolutions and focus on New Day resolutions is kind of the concept, right? Yeah. I, we've all been kicked hard this year in a lot of ways. Again, some harder than others. Some pulled themselves out. Some didn't. Um, you know, it's all over the board as, as it relates to this year. But how do I think about that? It, it's it's really to one of the things that I do every year, and this is something I work on with my clients, is is to create an annual theme, Right. So what is the theme of this year? What 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 are my priorities and where am I going to actually be able to structure those things? And those, these are these aren't resolutions. These are things that if we've done the right work and we began with the end in mind, we understand our longer term vision. Then this year is really just a year. It's a part of our path. And so, you know, my theme going into 2020 um, was really based for me. And I'm just going to talk around this because it, it's going to help me answer your question. 2019 was around this concept of trust and surrender. And 2020 was this concept of trust, surrender, but also clarity, right? I think we look at 2020, we can relate it to glasses and vision. And it's like, oh yeah, 2020 was gonna be the year of clarity. Well, here's the crazy part is 2020 was a year of chaos for many, but as you said it best, you also came out of it in the midst of chaos with clarity on a lot of things that maybe you hadn't reflected on in the past. Absolutely. I think there's been an awakening in society around what's really important. We were knocked out of autopilot nine months ago, right? And we were forced to have to relearn and reestablish patterns and behaviors in our lives 
but also take toll on the things that were additive and contributing versus the things that weren't, which goes back to my answer earlier on radical authenticity. Now, some have gone to the deep end with that and others haven't. But I would, I would challenge folks to not look at this as 2020 is over, which means, oh, it's a new start to the year and all the problems go away. It's a fresh start. It's a clean start. We can reboot as, as, as you call it. You know, the reality of it is if you want to do that, you could do that today. You could do that tomorrow. You could do that two days from now. You could do that a week from now. And so I'm going to say that through one caveat. If 2021 and literally the close of 2020, which crushed so many people, if closing that chapter metaphorically helps you, then do it and view it as a clean slate. But don't wait for 2021. We still have 15 days left. We do have holidays. Take toll on the things that really are important. And where do you want to take your world, your focus, your path, your success in 2021? Get clear on that now. Because once you have those into a place of conscious awareness, you can be intentional with it all the way along the path. If you can define something as simple as a theme for next year, not a theme for what the world is going to do to you, not a theme for the things that are going to impact you, but a theme for how you're going to choose to live your life the actions that you take, the imperfect actions you're going to take, right? If you start with that theme and just keep it that simple, it'll be a regulate, a self-regulating process for you throughout the course of the year, right? So when I told you I started with trust, surrender, and clarity, guess what? Those three things existed for me all year. I had to trust that everything was going to be okay. I had to surrender to the fact that stuff were happening that were outside of my control. I had to trust and surrender to the fact that I knew what I needed to do to pivot and still have an impact. And I ultimately got a lot of clarity as a result of it. So starting out with awareness and intention is where I would challenge people to go. So when you're setting that theme, Brian, um, you have a process for it or you just kind of sit down and reflect? Yeah. So typically, like I said, I, I, I like to start bigger picture, right? So I know uh, what my purpose and my legacy are for the bigger picture in my life. I know what the next three to five years is going to look like because I know what my three to five year vision is. I know what my strategic objectives are and my imperatives. And I know who I am and who I need to be to fulfill those things. So because I've done that work, the theme becomes easier because it's just a chapter, right? It's a 12 month window that's contributing towards my future self, the impact that I want to have. And because I have that lens, I think that the theme for me becomes easy. With clients, though, that this is new to, or for anybody who's listening today, this can be a challenge. And it's like, well, where do I start? What do I do? What questions do I ask? And, and that's where I always say everything begins and ends with you. And so if this year had you rattled and you're still rattled and you're having a hard time standing up, I'm going to start with something very, very simple, which is literally ask for help. If you need to go see a mental health professional, if you need to give, figure out a way in your relationships to kind of build and, and move yourself forward, start there and don't think about the whole year. Just take it one day at a time to get yourself back to at least neutral. But if you're at neutral or positive and you have clarity on some of those things already, I would really look at, okay, if I know where I'm going and I know who I am and I know the impact that I want, what will the next 12 months allow me to do to advance that, to become a better version of myself? Right. And one of the things I love, I've referenced it a couple of times throughout our talk today is, is, is the theme of your show, imperfect action. Right. The reality of it is ideas without action are just ideas. So what is going to help you move forward is simply action. And so for many people who feel stuck, part of that's because of inaction, which is also a choice. So if it's as simple as getting yourself to neutral or if it's as simple as saying, 
I'm going to take a lot of action this year. And through my actions, I'm going to demonstrate to the world who I am and my theme will reveal itself. That's okay also, right? It doesn't always have to start with the theme first, but action has to be a part of the equation no matter what you do. Yeah, you know, I've uh, often said the best ideas in the world are absolutely worthless until we put them into action. You know that, you know, I've got a lot of great ideas. I've only got a few of them that I I actually (laughs) used and, but it makes, it makes a difference. Yeah. A huge one. So you've transitioned because you mentioned early on in in your introduction that you had been, been successful in business, been successful as an entrepreneur and have now transitioned at least in part to really focusing on human performance. And, and for you, uh, what, what was that journey? Uh, uh, question sounds wrong. You know, I was gonna ask, what, what was that journey about? But, you know, kind of what got you shifting focus there? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I started my human behavior and performance coaching and speaking business five and a half, six years ago. And it started actually as a result of hiring my own coach for the first time. Um, you know, I, I was burning the candle at both ends. I missed the first six months with my son because I was working and I never readjusted my life. I never got aware and intentional on the work that I was doing, but I always said I was going to do everything for the benefit of my family. So I, you know, hid behind that blanket, right? It was one of those things where it's like, okay, here's what it is. But when I realized that I missed six months like that, I hired my first coach. And, and he said in our, in in the first month working with him, he said, Bogart, you got to be doing this. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you need to be coaching and speaking. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm paying you a lot of money. Not to tell me how great I am to help me figure these things out. Right. And I literally discounted and ignored it. And he trickled it for nine months. And he kept saying, he's like, man, with your story and business, with your story personally, he's like, you also naturally just elevate people, bring perspective, motivation, direction. He's like, that's what you do. You build people in businesses. Like, when are you going to like take this seriously? And I just kept saying like, it's conflicting with what I'm doing today. Like, no, 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 no. And then the universe just threw it in my face over the course of a month and I, and I couldn't ignore it. So I had to answer the question, is this complimentary or conflicting to what I'm doing? Decided it was complimentary. So I did it. But for five years, it became some of the most meaningful, fulfilling work that I did. The more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. But because of the demands of what we were building on the other side, my commitment to my business partners, our associates, I capped everything. I capped the number of people I coached. I capped the number of talks I did every month because just from a pure capacity standpoint, I had to. And fast forward a little bit, my, uh, July of last year, my wife and I had a weekend away. And it was one of the best weekends we've had in 14 years. I mean, I'm talking like physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like we were synced, right? And, and it was just, it was one of those weekends driving back to pick up the kids. And she leans over in the car and says, how would you feel if you didn't have to go to the office on Monday morning? I was like, babe, that's a loaded question. Like, why don't you help me unpack that a little bit? And so she did. She's, I had some other health stuff that affected me a few years back. I'm, I'm good now. But she said, I, I think you let this health situation allow fear to enter into your world in a way I've never seen you operate. And I think you've convinced yourself that we need the status, the money, the prestige, the success that's been built on the, the chance we took on you once. And she said, I'm here to tell you we don't. She said, I think you're 95% of who you are, but she said, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box as as long as we have hundred percent of who you are at the core. And she said, I also think that you're dying a little bit inside every day you spend an insurance. And uh, she said, whether you see it or not, she said, I don't think you're even scratching the surface of your potential, nor having the impact on the world that you want. And she said, there's no other person on this planet. I would take as big a bet on as I would with you. We took a bet on you once it paid off. What if we doubled down on that bet and we've shifted to a new path to focus on impact? was flooded with fear, right? And, and like a ton of emotion. I get chills every time I tell the story because it's not lost on me the courage it took for my wife to approach me to give me not only that push, that permission, but she threw a dart and hit the bullseye. And so I unpacked that over the next three months to really understand what it is that I wanted to do, the impact that I wanted to have, 
the gaps and in, in, in the things that I needed to fill to, to kind of get myself there. Um, and the things that frankly were keeping me stuck and blocked. And, and, and so I did that work and it was September that I made the decision. And I told uh, my CEO and COO last September of 2019 that I was going to end at the end of the fiscal year, which was off cycle. I was going to fulfill my commitments to my organization, but I was also going to build the foundation to actually turn the growth switch on to have the impact I wanted because the coaching and speaking I'd done for the five years prior, I don't say this to impress. I say it to impress upon the point. It was all organic. It came to me by simply saying, here's what I'm doing and my network fed it. And it was perfect for what it was. But if I want to go impact a billion lives in the next 25 years, which is what I'm focused on right now, it's going to take a lot more than that. And so it was a 10-month journey of transitioning out of one business while intentionally building another. And the last you know, six, seven months have just been an absolute blur. And frankly, COVID was a blessing for my business um, because it expanded my reach overnight by realizing that everybody was consuming more content, more people were connected via technology, and it's led to business opportunities and collaborations across the globe that would not have happened otherwise. So that, that journey was really turning into and honoring myself. And I had to apply regret minimization theory, right? What was going to be easier? Hitting the easy button and staying where I was at with, with known growth, double digit growth year over year, continuing to build that business, or to go see what I could do in something that I actually cared about at a deep and profound level to have an impact and to save lives. Like that, that, that's what it's about. So it sounds like you chose well uh, on your wife. Um, oh, uh, it's not lost on me, man. Every morning <laughs> that I wake up and she's still in bed next to me, it's a victory out of the gate because I, I, I way out kicked my coverage uh, with her. So, so she said you were at 95% before. Uh, has, she, has she commented since then on, on where you're Absolutely. at now? Absolutely. Uh, and she knows. She's like, you are, you're the most radically authentic version of who you are that I've, I've ever experienced in that. Um, you know, and we've talked about it. I'm happier. I'm more free. I'm more fulfilled. And the beautiful part about it is I didn't even realize, nor did I believe that I was only 95% me because I show up as me always. But what I didn't realize is that the commitment on something that wasn't aligned for who I was, but I was good at, I had success in, was a weight that I was carrying with me that I didn't even realize. So it wasn't until a couple of months after I left that I started to realize that 5% gap was material because who I am and how I showed up hasn't changed but it's even more real now than it was before. And everything that I'm doing and all the success and the momentum, the coolest part about it is, it not only supports my philosophies on helping people get to the core of who they are, and that's where they're gonna have more joy, freedom, and fulfillment, but it also shows when we're super aligned with who we are and we're intentional in every path of the way, all of the success and momentum has been created by me just being me, Brock. It's not a role, it's not fabricated, it's not salesy, it's not like, it's just, I'm just showing up and focusing on impact. Relationships, values, and impact. I believe so strongly in those three things. And I believe that if I lead with those three things, money, growth, all of the other things that are going to happen, they're an afterthought. It, it's going to happen. Because when you're mission-driven and aligned with who you are, that's when magic takes place. All right. Well, this seems like a, um, a good place to either wrap up or keep talking for about three hours. So we'll go ahead and wrap <laughs> up here. <laughs> but uh, so I, I want to ask, you know, a question I ask all my guests and... That is simply, you know, and you in particular, you know, you mentioned impacting what a billion lives in the next 25 years. I mean, you are working hard to benefit others. And so my question is always, what can the listener do to help you? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, 
if there's a single thing you heard from our conversation, share it. Because impacting a billion lives isn't going to happen one-to-one. It's going to be a ripple effect. And it's going to be people hearing things and finding ways to put more good into the world. And that would be unbelievably meaningful. Um, If you want to take a more specific action, follow me on all the social media channels and share because, you know, you've been following me now for a little bit. You see, I put a lot of content out. And the reason I do that is because I'm very aware that impacting a billion people, 99.99999 will never pay me a dollar. But the more eyeballs that see it, the faster we get to that billion. And so that would be a way to do it. If you're listening to this and you felt moved by it, you heard something, either share the content literally in a conversation or share this episode and then follow on social, which I'm I'm at Bogert Brian on almost every single platform. Those two things would be unbelievably helpful because you're actually going to be impacting other people's lives, which is helping me impact a billion. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Brian. This has been fantastic. Well, thank you, Brock. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and you creating a platform to put good into the world, brother. All right. Oh, stop recording. There we go. Awesome. Cool. Still has this. How was that, my friend? Uh, I loved it. Good. Yeah. No, I was great. I, I'd ask you the same. I feel good. Uh, it was great. It was very conversational. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Good deal. I, 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 uh, I, I appreciated your ability to just have a conversation.